0: Welcome to episode 422 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Busy. Um,
1: yeah, it's it, PLA week. As I was gonna say, you're, we're recording this right before you leave, basically. Yeah, we
0: are. Yeah,
1: people will listen to it on Thursday. But yes. By that point, you'll be how? Like, what days are you actually in Nashville for PLA?
0: Um, the show is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I get in on Tuesday. I'm going early to visit our friend. Chandra. Oh, oh, man. I didn't even know you were doing that cool thing, too. Yeah, I am.
1: Oh, hi, Jandra. <laughs> Ah. Now I'm jealous all over again. Uh, I really caught the short end of the stick on, this, on these early trips here. <laughs> Good job by you. Uh, are you guys going to do anything fun and I'm exciting? I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure. We haven't really discussed that quite yet.
1: <sighs> trying to get to meet her big wolf dogs.
0: I, I I know. I'm very excited about that part.
1: That's part of my, I. I think I'm most jealous of. <laughs> I love Jandra as a person, but... Of Dandre, the dog owner of the most.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so if you're gonna be at PLA, go to booth eight
0: twenty
1: three. Eight twenty three. Go say hi to Jill. She'll be the one with the pink hair.
0: Yes. Yes. It's very easy to find. Me. Yeah. I was thinking about that too because <laughs> I had it colored after ALA last year. Mm-hmm. So like our publisher friends haven't seen it. My pink yeah. hair. It's gonna be fun.
1: So we said last time we need to, we need new photos and stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's something. Mm-hmm. That might happen. Very cool to our podcast. I'm not going to talk about. It, but if it does, we just need to do our whole media kit over again. Oh yeah, I will. So, um, okay, today we're going to do March books. So if you have somehow missed this particular episode that we do every month, we preview books the two of us are most excited about coming out uh, in the next month. So March, we're recording that we're releasing this. Like, let's see what's well, calendar. Uh, just a couple days before March starts. So you can go and place holds and pre-orders and all that jazz on these books. Uh, some of them we've read. Some of them we're just excited about. Some of them there'll be episodes with these particular authors. Uh, so if you are new to the podcast, because our lovely friends at Reading Glasses, not only did uh, Brian Mallory talk about our podcast, so thank you ladies, they specifically talked about this episode that we do all the time, so. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. There was also a long conversation they had about which one of them was us. I think they nailed it. I think you are the Mallory and I'm the Bria. So good job, ladies. You guys got that right. Uh, If people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that?
0: They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. You can also go and find us on social. We are on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com.
1: Yes, you can. You can also find on our social media, if you're so inclined, Jill and I are both – raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Cleveland for the next couple months. Uh, We both are connected to people who are running for their Man and Woman of the Year, but the people at LLS were kind enough to make us a direct link so that you guys can donate money if you would like to, whether it's a dollar or $50 or anywhere in between. Whatever it is, every little bit helps. Put that in the show notes, and I'll put that across our social media. Speaking of our show notes, you don't need to write down any of these books that we're going to talk about right now. I'll have all of those in the show notes as well. So you can just click. It'll take you over to overdrive.com and you can place your holds and learn more about them there. Uh, as always, we go back and forth and we don't tell each other what our lists are ahead of time. How many do you have?
0: I have 11 and I had to cut myself off.
1: I have 11 and I had to cut myself off.
0: Marches, th- And I think I'm okay. I don't think there are any duplicates.
1: You don't, don't think see. so? Well, there's one. Well, I know there's. I bet there's one at least because I we both read it, but I didn't interview about it. I'm almost willing to bet.
0: Well, I probably one. didn't put it on, maybe, because okay. I don't think.
1: All right. Well, I'm not sure what
0: you're talking about. Or if okay. I do, I missed it. Okay. Well, <laughs> which is entirely possible. I will
1: let you start and we'll, we'll see how we do. Oh,
0: gosh. I don't know which one to start with. <laughs> All
1: right, right? I know.
0: Okay. No, I do. Okay. So we're going to start with. Actually, this is one where I should uh, interview. Uh, Email um, the publisher and ask to interview. Um, wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby.
1: <laughs> it's such a good title.
0: I All, all of Samantha Irby's titles are fantastic. Um, so Samantha um, has a new collection of essays out. Uh, her essays are hilarious, mm-hmm. um, especially if you get the audiobook, which she usually narrates herself. And I'm just so excited about this one. Um, So to read the description, to give a little preview. Irby is 40 and increasingly uncomfortable in her own skin, despite what inspirational Instagram infographics have promised her. (laughs) She has left her job as a receptionist at a veterinary clinic, has published successful books, and has been friend-zoned by Hollywood. Left Chicago and moved into a house with a garden that requires repairs and know-how with her wife in a blue town in the middle of a red state, where she now hosts book clubs and makes... Mason jar salads. <laughs> this is the bourgeois life of a Hallmark Channel dream. She goes on bad dates with new friends, spends weeks in Los Angeles taking meetings with TV executives slash amateur astrologists, while being a cheese fry eating slightly damp Midwest person with neck pain and no cartilage in her needs who still hides past due bills under her pillow. So <laughs> that's just some of those are actually direct quotes from the book, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, I love Samantha Irby. She is hilarious. Her books are hilarious. I'm very excited for um, her new one, which is "Wow, No, Thank You."
1: Uh, also, hers are the books you've likely seen them at libraries, at bookstores, online. Hers are the books that are like one standard color with the words written in very like straightforward text, and then there's a hilarious animal on this the cover. This is
0: green, and it's a rabbit.
1: And it has like it's like a it's a sad-looking rabbit with big floppy ears. But I think the last one. Uh, is that We Are Never Meeting in Real Life? Was that her other one? And it was like a yes. cat that looks like it was just out of a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. So good. Um, my first one is The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. Uh, N.K. Jemison is, I, I think I, when she was on the podcast, I called her the greatest uh, living science, I think I might have called her the greatest science fiction and fantasy writer of all time. Uh, she has won the Hugo, I think she won the Hugo
0: she won for all three. For all
1: three, yeah, for all three books. <laughs> and I think she books.
0: might still be the only one to have done that. I
1: believe so, yeah. So she, oh, she's just so fantastic. Uh, anyway, this is a new book at the start of a trilogy. Uh, the City We Became is about five New Yorkers who must come together to defend their city from an ancient evil in this stunning new novel. So uh, the way that the book is um, laid out, I just started it, is every great city has like a soul and some are ancient as myths and others are brand new and destructive uh and new york city has six of them but every city also has a dark side a roiling ancient evil stirs in the halls of power threatening to destroy the city and her six newborn avatars unless they can come together and stop it once and for all so nk jemisin just has a way of creating a story out of something that you wouldn't think of correct and she is just the best so the city we became it's been sitting at i've had a copy of this since sometime in like the middle of last year and just haven't had a chance to get to it but it's directly under my computer screens and it's just been staring at me so i'm excited to to actually be reading it so
0: my next one is okay hold on uh my dark vanessa by kate elizabeth russell I remember our coworker Rachel mentioned this a while back. She had managed to get a very early advance copy of it. So um, My Dark Vanessa is, oh, um, it is a timely book that explores the psychological and power dynamics between a um, precocious yet naive teenage girl and her magnetic and manipulative teacher. Um, So back in, it's fiction, but back in um, 2000, 15-year-old Vanessa became entangled in an affair with her teacher. Um, And then, you know, in her mind, this was something she willingly did. Um, It was all consensual. Now, 17 years have gone by and there are starting to become um, allegations are coming out against uh, this English teacher and so Vanessa kind of has to reckon with um, her understanding of the relationship when she was a teenager versus her understanding of the relationship now as an adult uh, and it's getting a lot of traction um, and I'm I'm very excited for it I have an advanced copy that I started reading it's good stuff so that's my dark Vanessa nice
1: uh, my next one is stamped racism. Anti-Racism and You, a remix of the National Book Award winning Stamps from the Beginning. So this is by Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, I actually interviewed them both, which is wild. I drove to Indianapolis and interviewed Jason Reynolds, and then I had a conversation with Dr. Kendi on the phone. So um, Stamps from the Beginning was Dr. Kendi's National Book Award uh, winner, and it shows the history of racist ideas in America, and he approaches it by looking at the lives of various important people um, throughout the history of America, like Cotton Mather, and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here. The book itself is incredible and essential reading if you want to better understand the history of this country, but it wasn't exactly the most approachable thing for younger readers. So... Jason Reynolds and Dr. Kennedy got together, and Jason basically redid the book in a way that is more approachable for young people so students can read it, uh, or parents can read it with their students, or, or classrooms can read it. And uh, I will say, I, I last year I said that um, I'm Not Dying With You Tonight was the most important young adult book yeah. that you could read uh, in 2019. I think Stamped is the most important young adult book you can read uh, in 2020. So it's just, it's phenomenal. Uh, both of them are just uniquely qualified to talk about this but then share the story. So two exceptional human beings. Uh, they're going to be on part of like one episode in the coming weeks. It's going to be both interviews. Um, but, yeah, very, very, very important and just a phenomenal book.
0: My next one is The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by Josie Silver. Um, so this is basically <laughs> like sliding doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, if you all remember that really fantastic Gwyneth Paltrow movie, which was during that time when I was convinced Gwyneth Paltrow was British because she did all these English movies. (laughs) You're right. She did like a whole run of of British movies and I was like, she's totally British. She's not. Anyway, so in this one, um, Lydia and Freddie have been together for a decade. Everything is fantastic. And then on Lydia's 20th birthday, Freddie dies in a car accident. And so now Lydia is all alone and she, you know, wants to hide indoors and cry um, because she just lost the love of her life. Then, however, something happens that gives her another chance at her old life with Freddie a life where none of the tragic events of the past few months have happened. Lydia is pulled again and again through the doorway to her past, living two lives impossibly at once. But there's an emotional toll to returning to a world where Freddie, alive, still owns her heart because there's someone in her new life, her real life, who wants her to stay. It sounds so good. Mm-hmm.
1: Sliding <laughs> doors. What? Uh, it is! <laughs> no, I know. It's just so funny. I haven't thought about that in like forever. It's one of those things I'm like,
0: is I love that, that movie. <laughs>
1: Uh, my next one, this is one I think we might both have. When We Were Magic by Sarah Gailey. I
0: did not put it on because okay. I figured you would. <laughs>
1: now, I know what you guys might be thinking if you listened to last month. Wait, didn't they talk about a Sarah Gailey book in February? We did because Sarah has a book coming out, both that came out in February and they also have one coming out in March. So just the year of Sarah. Uh, this is a sly, witchy, dark comedy about four teens whose magic goes wildly awry and uh, I will just read a little bit of the description because I haven't read this one just yet. Alexis has always been able to rely on two things, her best friends and the magic, uh, the magical powers they all share. Their secret is what brought them together, and their love for each other is unshakable, even when that love is complicated. Complicated by problems like jealousy, insecurity, or lust, or love. That unshakable, complicated love is one of the only things that doesn't change on prom night, when accidental magic goes sideways and a boy winds up dead. Alexis and her friends have to come together to try and right their terrible wrong. So, just sounds so fun. Um, I am so excited for this. Sarah is so talented, and this is their first uh, young adult book that they wrote. So, When We Were Magic by Sarah Gailey.
0: My next one is The Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantle. This is the long-awaited book in... Uh, Third book in her Thomas Cromwell series, which started with Wolf Hall and then Bring Up the Bodies. So in in, um, The Mirror and the Light, she traces the final years of Thomas Cromwell, the boy from nowhere who climbs to the heights of power, offering a defining portrait of predator and prey of a ferocious contest between present and past, between royal will and a common man's vision. Um, And again, long awaited. And I'm sure some of you are also waiting. I will warn you, as we have done in the past, this is a Macmillan title, which means that for the first eight weeks, your library is only allowed to buy one copy. So there may be wait lists. So you may mm-hmm. have to go outside of your library to get a copy. That's only for eBooks. They may be they'll be able to buy more physical books, but yeah, if you wanted an eBook from your library, you'll have to wait. Um, just as a forewarning. But yeah, so that's the Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantel.
1: Yeah, and just as a brief recap we won't get into the all the mcmillan stuff you can just google and find all that out but jill and i decided a while back that we would still like talk about the books if they sounded exciting to us but we would always let you guys know that you might not see them in your library
0: especially if they're very very big books that you would have expected your library to buy multiple copies of exactly like this one (laughs) yeah
1: Uh, my next one is the glass hotel by emily st john mandel I interviewed Emily for an upcoming episode of the podcast, and this book is definitely the best thing I've read so far this year, and I have a feeling it's going to end up being in my best of list at the end of the year. Uh, If her name sounds familiar, it's because Emily wrote Station Eleven, which was everywhere all over the place. Um, This is a book about about a Ponzi scheme, which I'm actually surprised that they are so forthcoming about that in the description of the book and the promotion of the book because it while it is part of the book it is not entirely like the whole story uh, but there is a murder that takes place and a disappearance and this Ponzi scheme and they're all kind of tied together um, but the Ponzi scheme you don't discover what's going on with it until like way late into the book so they definitely mm-hmm. could have had that be like a big reveal that they didn't want to talk about, but they are. So I'm going to as well. Um, you jump around timelines and all these different places all around the world, and you get to look into the life of the guy who is behind the Ponzi scheme, and this woman that he ends up being in a relationship with, and her family. And there's just it's a in- exceptionally well rounded story, and it's so well written. Um, it was taken inspired by the Bernie Madoff stuff um but it's wildly different so yeah The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel she'll be on the podcast uh later this month so definitely check it out
0: my next one is When You Were Everything by Ashley Woodfolk I have a YA book that doesn't happen I was gonna say look at you but do you have this? nope okay um so this is about um two teenage girls uh, Cleo and Layla who had been friends um really good friends for a really long time and then things happen Mm -hmm. as it does with girls sometimes and um, their relationship and friendship just imploded. And it's now been 27 days since that happened. Um, Cleo wants to erase every memory, good or bad that tethers her to her ex best friend, but pretending Layla doesn't exist. Isn't as easy as Cleo hoped, especially after she's assigned to be Layla's tutor. So the book goes back and forth um, between then and now and kind of captures the, I'd say, unique facets of teenage girl friendships. And, um, you know, having been through one where things implode and then we didn't talk for like 15 years. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> so, um, and so that's When You Were Everything by Ashley Woodfolk. Uh,
1: my next one, I'm not going to – Talk, do a lot of the, the the description of it because i don't think it requires it it's called the deep by alma katsu and it is a historical fiction slash horror thriller based around the titanic so yep, that was on my list uh okay this one i well that's, that makes sense i sent that to you like at a like, excitement like exclamation pointy um Yeah, it's all about the Titanic, the sinking of the Titanic, and the ill fated sail of its sister ship, the Britannic. And it's a horror, and it's a horror novel on a ship, and it's historical fiction. And I'm so excited about this.
0: So, for context, um, she wrote The Hunger, which came out last year, two years ago. Yes. Which was a. Uh, reimagining I guess of the Donner Party as a horror novel so that seems to be her thing which I'm here for
1: yeah I am so excited for this I when we look up stuff as we've talked about in the past you and I have the ability to kind of see things thanks to Overdrive's marketplace we can see what books are coming out in advance so it makes this part of our job easier finding the books we're excited about and I like audibly gasped when I saw that I was like oh oh my
0: I saw the cover and I was like wait is this Mm -hmm. the cover and the author and I was like is it, it okay this is what i think it is that's okay that's phenomenal yeah <laughs> um all right my next one is days of distraction by alexander chang so this has been named as a most anticipated book of the year um by buzzfeed electric literature in the millions oh wow right um so i haven't read this one so i'll read the description the plan um is to leave as for how and wait no nope, that's where that starts right in the middle of things okay <laughs> I just had like almost when I start reading, I'm like, oh, no, I, okay. I
1: understand what you mean. It sounds like it's
0: Whew, okay. Um, I have not read this what this one yet, so I'm going to just read the description. The plan is to leave. As for how, when, to where, and even why, she doesn't know yet. So it begins a journey for the 24-year-old narrator of Days of Distraction. As a staff writer at a prestigious tech publication, she reports on the achievements of smug Silicon Valley billionaires and startup bros while her own request for a raise gets bumped from manager to manager. And when her longtime boyfriend Jay decides to move to a quiet upstate New York town for grad school, she sees an excuse to cut and run. Moving is supposed to be a grand gesture of her commitment to Jay and a way to reshape her sense of self. But in the process, she finds herself facing misgivings about her role in an interracial relationship. Captivated by the stories of her ancestors and other Asian-Americans in history, she must confront a question at the core of her identity. What does it mean to exist in a society that does not notice or understand you?
1: Sounds so so good. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's Days of Distraction.
1: Uh, my next one is Deacon King Kong by James McBride. Uh, James McBride won the National Book Award for the Good, Lord, uh, the Good Lord Bird, which was a little bit ago at this point. But um, this sounds really, really interesting. So in September of 1969, there is a cranky old church deacon known as Sportcoat, and he goes into the courtyard of this housing project. He pulls out a gun, and in front of everybody, he shoots the project's drug dealer at point-blank range. And then what happens is the book unfolds from there to show you how this particular incident affects everybody involved. So there's the victim. There's the African-American and Latin residents who witnessed it. There's the white neighbors, the local cops uh, that are assigned to investigate, and then the members of the Baptist church where Sportcut was the deacon the mobsters that are also are there and just everybody that is somehow tangentially involved. So it just sounds really, really fantastic. And James McBride is wildly talented, obviously. So I'm extremely excited about this. Um, so it's Deacon King Kong by James McBride.
0: My next one is Darling Rose gold by Stephanie. Roll.
1: This was the one I okay. assumed that we yeah. both would have. All right.
0: So, um, I think I've mentioned this before cause I had an advanced copy of it. um, This is about uh, Rose Gold Watts, who, for the first 18 years of her life, believed she was seriously ill. She was allergic to everything, used a wheelchair, and practically lived at the hospital. Neighbors did all they could, holding fundraisers and offering shoulders to cry on. But no matter how many doctors, tests, or surgeries, no one could figure out what was wrong with Rose Gold. Turns out her mom, Patty, was really just a good liar. Uh. After serving five years in prison, Patty gets out with nowhere to go and begs her daughter to take her in. The entire community is shocked when Rose Gold says yes. Patty insists all she wants is to reconcile their differences. She says she's forgiven Rose Gold for turning her in and testifying against her. But Rose Gold knows her mother. Patty always settles a score. Unfortunately for Patty, Rose Gold is no longer her weak little darling. and She's waited such a long time for her mother to come home.
1: Guys, the... First off, Stephanie will be on the podcast later this month as well. This book is, first off, incredible. Yes. And infuriating. Yes. Like I have never, I, I told this to Stephanie, who, as is true with many of these books, she's this charming, bubbly, outgoing person. And I'm like, you have some demons in your brain. And I, I was like, I was so mad at your characters the whole time. And, and that's a compliment. Like, ugh. This will make your skin crawl but like in a really oh yeah. Good way. Yeah. Everyone fr- is frustrating in this book. There's, yeah.
0: Ugh. Yeah, I don't think there's like anybody really, yeah. which is not a bad thing. Sometimes I you like reading about unlikable people and so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, still. <laughs> uh, my next one is These Ghosts Are Family by Maisie Card. Uh, Maisie is a librarian and actually she was on. There's a lot, I didn't mean to do this, there's a lot of these that are they're on the podcast this month, um, which is good. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of books that are a- highly anticipated, These Ghosts Are Family was named. In Entertainment Weekly, Millions, and Lit Hub, Most Anticipated Book, it was also a selection for uh, Best Books of 2020 by The Rumpus and Electric Literature and Ms. Magazine and Book Riot and Buzz Magazine and so, so many others. Um, This is basically, I thought of it like Homegoing, which we both obviously love, um, but from a person who is from Jamaica and comes over, so... Uh, comes over to America. So Stanford Solomon has a shocking 30 year old secret and it's about to change the lives of everyone around him. Stanford is actually Abel Paisley, a man who faked his own death and stole the identity of his best friend. And now nearing the end of his life, Stanford is about to meet his first born daughter, Irene Paisley, a home health aide who has unwittingly shown up for her first day of work to tend to the father she thought was dead. Um, It just dives back and forth in timelines to discuss the consequences of abel's decision and the story of both of the families and there's just so much in here it's so so good um and Maisie was wonderful to chat with but yeah these ghosts are family if you're a fan of home going which obviously like we said we both clearly are uh, i think this will be right up your alley
0: My next one is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. So um, Glennon Doyle is uh, well known for writing kind of self-improvement books, including Love Warrior and Carry On Warrior, um, which Love Warrior in particular got huge, huge accolades and was everywhere and was like book club picks and all that stuff. So Untamed, though, um, is about um, sort of changes to her life and her relationships after writing Love Warrior, which was about her relationship um, partly with her husband, and she is no longer with him and is now married to a woman. So this is kind of exploring um, what happens and when you sort of stop letting society define you and stop forcing yourself to live up to um, expectations that other people place on you. So that is Untamed by Glennon Doyle.
1: Uh, my next one is The Kingdom of Back by Murray Lu. I would love to say friend of the show, but she's never come on. More just like um, author who the show adores because uh, we yeah. Warcross was one of the books that I think oh, we discussed more. There was for it's so good. We go on these like little runs of certain books, that we talk about all, like Ready Player One was another one, which we talked about like every month, and then War Warcross was another one. Uh, so this is the start of a new. I th- well, maybe it's gonna be a standalone. I, I don't know. Anyway. Not important. It is a historical YA fantasy about Mozart and Mozart's sister, Nanero Mozart. Uh, it just takes on the idea of Wolfgang Mozart and then his sibling and how playing music is a part of this important magical thing that goes on and there's mysterious strangers, and there's magical land, and there's so much in here. I just got really excited, because I was like, it's such a unique take on a fan... Like, Marie Lou literally looked at classical music and was like, what if I wrote a fantasy YA book about yep. that? So, very excited. That's The Kingdom of Back by Marie Lou. Also, incredible cover on this one. Yes. It's a beautiful.
0: My next one is The Body Double by Emily Badia. Um, this is a debut. That sounds so good. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, a strange man discovers our nameless narrator selling popcorn at a decrepit small town movie here and offers her an odd and lucrative position. She will forget her job, her acquaintances, even her name, and move to Los Angeles, where she will become the body double of the famous and troubled celebrity Rosanna Feld. I'm like already in oh on this. Oh my God. <laughs> First, who doesn't love nameless narrators? It's yeah. so good. Okay. So a a nervous breakdown has forced Rosanna out of the public eye and she needs a lookalike to take her place in the tabloid media circus of Hollywood. Overseen by Max, who hired her for the job, our narrator spends her days locked up in a small apartment in the hills watching hidden camera footage of Rosanna, wearing Rosanna's clothes, eating the food Rosanna likes, practicing her mannerisms, learning to become Rosanna in every way. But as she makes her public debut... As Rosanna, dining at elegant restaurants, shopping in stylish boutiques, and finally risking a dinner party with Rosanna's true inner circle, alarming questions begin to arise. What really caused Rosanna's mental collapse? Will she ever return? And is Max truly her ally or something more sinister? Man. Yes.
1: That sounds so good. Right? Uh, How many do you have left? One. Okay. So my last one is called New Waves by Kevin Wen. Um, speaking of books that sound incredible, uh, Lucas and Margot are fed up. Margot is a brilliant programmer, tired of being talked over as the company's sole black employee, while Lucas is one of the many Asians at the firm. He's nearly invisible as a low-paid customer service rep. Together, they decide to steal their tech startup's user database in an attempt at revenge. The heist takes a sudden turn when Margot dies in a car accident, and Lucas is left, re- uh, left reeling, wondering what to do with this secret. Uh, and wondering whether the death was actually an accident. So Lucas then hacks into Margot's computer, looking for answers. He's drawn into her private life and realizes just how little he knew about his best friend. So uh, Kevin takes an exploration into race and startup culture, secrecy and surveillance, social media and friendship, and asks the question, how well do we really know one another? So in on this, that's New Waves by Kevin Wen.
0: My last one is The Sea of Lost Girls by Carol Goodman. I know I've talked about how much I love Carol Goodman before. Um, I first read her debut, The Lake of Dead Languages, Oh God, when it came out, like as an advanced copy like 20 years ago. Mm-mm. And I've been a fan ever since. And I still have that advanced copy somewhere. Um, so in The Sea of Lost Girls, she returns to the idea of uh, prep school and secrets. And I'm like guys you know one thing about me from listening to this podcast is that my favorite genre of all time is a closed yeah like a closed like a closed campus a cold school some kind of closed like academic place with a cast of mysterious characters
1: you really love this you're absolutely like jill is laughing uncontrollably right now but it's absolutely accurate this is so true This is so true.
0: It is my it is my absolute favorite thing in the entire world. Couldn't even tell you why, and so I love it. <laughs> so in this one, um, Tess has worked hard to keep her past buried where it belongs. Now she's the wife of a respected professor at an elite boarding school. Okay, I mean it's a boarding school. <laughs> Where she also teaches her 17-year-old son, Rudy, whose dark moves and complicated behavior she's long worried about seems to be thriving. Tess tries not to think about the mistakes she made 18 years ago and mostly succeeds. But then one morning, she gets a text at 2.50 a.m. It's Rudy asking for help. When Tess picks him up, she finds him drenched and shivering with a dark stain on his sweatshirt. Four hours later, Tess gets a call from the Haywood school headmistress uh, Rudy's girlfriend has been found dead on the beach not far from where Tess found Rudy just hours before. As the investigation uh, into the death escalates, Tess finds her family attacked on all sides. What first seemed like a tragic accidental death is turning into something far more sinister, and not only is Tess's son a suspect, but her husband is a person of interest too.
1: I've rarely been more sure that you were going to put a book on your list than when I read the description of this. Oh my gosh! <laughs>
0: I, was like, I love it. Oh God. This
1: is such a Joe book. This is this is like the mo I feel like they wrote this for you.
0: <laughs> I do, I know. Like I love I love Carol Goodman. Um so uh but the uh the girlfriend's death isn't the first blemish on Haywood's record, and the more Tess learns about Haywood's fabled history, the more she realizes that not all skeletons will stay safely locked in the closet.
1: <sighs> What's the name of it one more time?
0: The Sea of Lost Girls. Yeah. It- uh,
1: the most jail book <laughs> of all time it's so so good um that was the that was last one right
0: yes it was okay
1: so those are our march picks all the books that we're really really excited about um let us know if there's stuff that we missed that you are excited about or if you want other book recommendations so you can always shoot us an email find us on the socials um anything else that you think people should know about
0: No. If you are at PLA and you do hear this on Thursday when I'm still there, stop by booth 823. I have the pink hair.
1: You do. Oh, and since this is coming out Thursday, if you're in Cleveland and you're going to the Colin McCann uh, live event at Cuyahoga County Public Library, I'll be the one moderating that. So say hello to me as well. I forgot I was doing that in three days from right now. Um, Yeah. Come say hi to me as well. I don't. I don't have pink hair, but no. I'll be on a stage with columns, so you'll you'll know which one's me. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's just about everything. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <laughs>